Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Roll the deep left, and it goes way, 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 here and gone for Gia, and they have tied it at four! Wow, wow! Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 97 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Miller Park as the crew opening up another homestand after that long road trip out west. Of course, three games in Colorado, three games in San Francisco, and then three games with the Dodgers. And we picked things up last Wednesday. It was a tough loss for the crew. They dropped a game that was close really throughout to San Francisco, the getaway day of that series. And the Giants end up taking two or three from the crew with that win. So an off day Thursday, then a three-game series against the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles. Game number one didn't go the crew's way. Domingo Santana with a solo home run in the second inning. That'd be the only hit of the game for the Brewers. And uh, the Dodgers able to push some runs across. They end up winning that game by a final of 3-1. to one. Game two, the Saturday game. Crew trying to even up the series. Looking for a good start out of Zach Davies and looking for some power and some runs. And Orlando Arcia decided to provide it. Raven comes set. Here's the pitch. And Arcia sends this in the air. Deep center field. Taylor is back. He's at the wall. He reaches up. It is gone. Orlando Arcia with his 13th home run of the season. And the Brewers take a 2-0 lead. Brewers would go on to win that one three to nothing. It was a stellar performance from Zach Davies. Two-one pitch, hit in the air, shallow left. Braun is there, and it's a one-two-three seventh inning for Zach Davies. Davies with seven shutout innings in that one. He continues to pitch tremendously. We're going to give you more on him coming up in a little bit on Sabermetrics 101. Coming back on Sunday, big opportunity for the Brewers. A chance to win the series. And Jimmy Nelson took a no-hitter into the sixth inning. He was outstanding. And it was also a little bit about a guy named Hernan Perez. Oh, one Perez drives one deep left center field. Backing up Taylor. It is gone. Ernan Perez hits a solo home run, his 13th of the year, and it's 2-0 Brewers. It ended up being enough for the crew as they won the game by a score of 3-2 over the Dodgers. So they take a series from Los Angeles, first team since the Nationals went into Dodgers Stadium and won a series from Los Angeles June 5th through the 7th. It was the first time in 22 series played that the Dodgers had lost a series. The Brewers doing something a lot of people didn't give them a chance to do. That's go in and win a series from the best team in baseball. So a little momentum getting on the plane, coming home and off day on Monday. Tuesday, the Cardinals in town, big opportunity. But the crew, a couple of miscues early defensively, led to a couple of big innings for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals end up taking down the Brewers in the first game of a short two-game set by a final score of 10-2. to Okay, here's what's coming up for you on the podcast we're going to talk to jared hughes about players weekend i got a chance to catch up with him at dodger stadium and we're also going to talk to eric thames i had a chance to catch up with him at AT at&t park in san francisco and talk to him about how the season's unfolding so far 
Plus, as I told you, we're going to go deeper into the numbers behind Zach Davies' unbelievable second half he's putting together. That's in Sabermetrics 101. And, of course, the minor leagues starting to wrap up their regular season. We're going to be the latest there, including a playoff team for the Brewers Farm System in the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. That's all straight ahead. Let's jump right into it and go inside the numbers. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Two-one pitch. Hit in the air, shallow left. Braun is there. And it's a one-two-three seventh inning for Zach Davies. All right, as we look at Sabermetrics 101 this week, we look at Zach Davies' big second after the season. And we split a season in half from his first 15 games started that takes you through June 20th to his last 12 games started, which begins on June 25th and takes you to the present time. In those first 15 games started, Zach Davies, who had that great year last year, an ERA under four, one of the better rookie pitchers in the National League a season ago, he got off to a tough start. Even though the wins were there because the run support was behind him, he was pitching to just a 5-4-0 ERA. He was giving up a hard hit percentage of 32.2% of the balls put in play being hard hit balls. And his home run to fly ball ratio was 18.2%. So 18.2% of the fly balls he hit, he allowed to get hit, were ending up as home runs. Uh, and he allowed 14 home runs in those first 15 games started. So tough situation, obviously, for Zach Davies. It was not the season that he had envisioned when this year began. But fast forward to now. The next 12 starts after that final start of that span on June 20th. And now Zach Davies, over the final 12 games that he's pitched, 2.41 ERA, 24.2% hard hit percentage. So that goes from 32.2% down to 24.2%. That's an 8% difference of balls being put in play that aren't hard hit balls anymore. Just a 4.3% home run to fly ball ratio. Just three home runs allowed in his last 12 starts. And uh, by the way, the opponent's averaging just 228 against him over these final 12 starts. So it gives you an idea of why he's having the success he's having. You can dive into it even greater beyond the sabermetrics numbers and you can look at the fact that he is pitching with incredible command right now and he's mixing four pitches for strikes basically at any time he wants so he consistently has the the hitters back on their heels they're constantly guessing and Zach Davies is almost always dictating what's going on in the at bat and he's having a tremendous season and it's because of this huge surge and hopefully it continues. Davies brings home the pitch. Swing and a miss. Gonzalez tried to hold up. He couldn't do it. That's strikeout number seven for Davies. And the inning is over. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty but good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every, every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It, was, uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses. And that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the Clubhouse Conversation. We're joined by 
Brewers first baseman Eric Thames. Uh, longest ball ever hit in the StatCast era that didn't leave a ballpark. I know you grew up not far from here. You, you probably have seen quite a few games as a spectator. You probably really appreciate this ballpark. Do you love it as much as you did before the game last night? No, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I feel really bad for Brandon Belt, you know, playing in this park, even like Posey, you know, because usually like when your swing is really good, you know, it's spot on, you know, you want to shoot the gaps and the gaps are huge here. Like I, I never realized it until, you know, I, my first game here. So yeah, it, it, it sucked. Like last night, you know, I got a fastball to hit and, um, you know, put a could put a good barrel on it and bam off the wall I'm like how the, I, I thought immediately it would have been a home run just like in every other park that would have gone out and off the brick and you know I had to get on my horse you know look, look like I didn't pimp it you know I didn't yeah. like steer and sit at home playing steer at it so I was running out, out of the box but I was like how did that ball not get out like I even like like Pablo Sandoval was laughing at third base I'm like how not get out and he was like well welcome to AT&T Park man it's like all right all right I got it What's it like to be back here, though? Uh, Bellarmine, um, you know, prep is where you went to school. Y your coach was actually the ball dude on yeah, Monday night. Did you have a chance to catch up with him? Is it fun to see some faces when you're back here? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like I've played, you know, multiple series in Oakland. Uh, and I've had, you know, friends and family go out there. But, you know, S San Jose is like the hub for the Giants. You know, it's all, it's all Giants territory down there pretty much. So um, all my friends and family and they're out here and it's kind of cool you know especially going to career for three years so it's kind of like coming back you know it's not like I was a rookie that just got called up but you know I've taken I played here I left and came back and kind of people are just like are really appreciative of my story and, and that's awesome um, but yeah I went to Bellarmine in San Jose so a lot of like you know bells bells are out here even like, like during the last two games like there's been people like, hey go bells go bells and it's like yeah there's a lot of like uh, alumni out here and it's awesome Eric Thames is our guest here from AT&T Park. Uh, your journey is amazing. It's been well documented over the course of the year. But let's talk about your journey within this year. What, what have you learned about the game since you left it and now have come back to it? And, and, and not left the game, but left Major League Baseball. Uh, just, you know, dealing with the adversity, uh, the grind. I mean, it's such a long – there's bubbles everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's just a bubble floating in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just the adversity, just, you know, dealing with the grind of, of a long season, you know, like your, your, your bat speed gets slower, your legs get heavier, and um, it's just like finding that right program, that, that right, you know, balance of training and stretching and rest and uh, stuff like that. So uh, it's pretty much going through that and like the strike zone, like the new pitching, like guys are cheese now, they're all like 22, 23. Um, you know, the, the game's difficult, you know, it's a really difficult game. Um, so it's just a matter of just learning and adjusting and, um, you know, trying to get better every day and um, to, to help push this team uh, to the postseason. You're, you talked a little bit about it just there, your routine. You're a routine guy, right. whether it's stretching, whether it's even meditating and things like that. Take us through what your normal game day routine is like. Uh, depends if it's a day game or a night game. Usually, you know, I, I sleep a lot now. You know, it's like it's kind of funny, like all ball players. It's like spring training on. It's like you wake up like an hour later each month because I get so tired. Like August, like about 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, get up, stretch, uh, go eat, you know, head to the field, kind of hang out, you know, see like where you're playing, who you're playing, like who's pitching, um, and go to the cage, you know, work on, you know, staying short to the ball, um, and then, you know, get ready again and then get ready for the game and play, you know, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's very structured, you know, like baseball is our life during the year, so – it's not much time to get out and kind of get away, so you have to find 
uh, time when you can, whether it's like reading books or movies or you know stuff like that. So. Eric, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, next time you hit one 433, I'm going to guess it's going to get out of whatever ballpark you're yes. in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I hope it gets out. Joined <laughs> by Brewers reliever Jared Hughes. This is Players Weekend, kind of a cool twist uh, this weekend with everybody wearing their nicknames on the back of their jerseys and the thank you patches and everything else that's coming along with it. This, this is fun for you guys. It's a little bit of a change of pace, so to speak. Yeah, we can be ourselves a little bit and uh, show a little creativity and uniqueness in our uniforms. I, I, I really think it's a special weekend for me because I grew up here in Los Angeles. I grew up in a city called San Marino that's about 20 minutes from the stadium. Played in San Marino Little League, and I get to wear a patch on my jersey tonight that says San Marino Little League. So that's pretty neat. That is very cool. How, how many people from your family and some of your friends are going to make it out over the course of the weekend to, to watch? Well, yeah, there's probably 10 people that, I, that I'm close with that will be here. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of times people just show up and come say hi, and they're like, hey, I decided to come out, and I, I love it. I love seeing familiar faces. makes me feel at home even when I'm on the road. Jared Hughes is our guest here from Dodger Stadium. Okay, the name on the back of your jersey is Bull. I think most people, unless they were maybe born a little later in life, they, they probably understand where that reference comes from, the, the TV show Night Court. Where, what's the origin of it for you? Who was the first person to call you Bull? So I shaved my head like I did today. I have a new, freshly shaven head. I shaved my head in college, and one of our coaches, I showed up, and he goes, you look like Bull from Night Court, <laughs> right? And I thought that was pretty funny, and I guess I didn't really understand at the time because I'd never seen the show, show since I have, and I understand the reference. But, uh, but I thought it was pretty funny, and the nickname kind of stuck throughout college, and whenever I tell people, they get a kick out of it. So I thought about putting it on the back of my jersey. Jared, um, everybody is, is coming up with their own nicknames. Some people had to maybe dig a little bit to find one. You, you obviously had one. Some guys have multiple ones, and they had a hard time choosing. Did you have any others that were, were even considered? I've got endless nicknames. I mean, being a tall, goofy guy, it's just I'm kind of like an easy target and that type of thing. Uh, Bull is one of them, obviously. Uh, the Ostrich is a big one. Um, Mr. Larson, the character from Happy Gilmore. The guy goes, that's Mr. Gilmore's jacket. Uh, uh, all sorts of Huey, Baby Huey Hughes, I mean Hugo. I've got all sorts of nicknames based on my la last name. And then Spaghetti. Uh, for some reason, I had a coach who called me Spaghetti for a long time. So I got plenty of those. Is there any explanation as to why? So Spaghetti is another name for the inside move. Um, and I used to call it the Spaghetti Up move all the time. And in Pro Bowl, that's not quite as accepted. So my coach called me Spaghetti. <laughs> Jared Hughes is with us here on the On Deck Show, built by Menards. Okay, uh, this bullpen, since we last talked to you, there's there's been changes. Anthony Swarzak's here now. Jeremy Jeffress is back. Um, and, 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 and this bullpen seems to have really settled in. You guys have had some really good stretches over the last month or so. Yeah, the pieces we've added have been incredible. Uh, obviously, there's some serious experience with Jeffress, with Swarzak. Um, these guys have, have been through the ringer. They've been through it. They know how to go out there in big situations and perform. Um, we have the, our, our core few that, are, that have stuck around, and we're definitely going out there and continuing to eat innings. And then, of course, Hater. I mean, this guy comes up halfway through the season, and it's just lights out. The deception, the life on his fastball, it's, uh, it's very unique. It's a one-of-a-kind thing. I mean, I would say if you, if you ever have a chance to come out and watch Hater pitch, you should do it because this guy is really special. Kind of wild for you. Uh, one of your former teammates, Tony Watson, is in the other dugout now. And at the beginning of this year, you two were together uh, with Pittsburgh in spring training. Is it wild how your two uh, paths have changed over the last six months or so? 
Yeah, it is. It is kind of interesting. I stayed in the Central. I mean, I'm pretty like I, I know the routine of the NL Central, but he went from one of the smaller markets in Pittsburgh to one of the larger ones in LA, and I think it was a bit of a change for him. Uh, just talking to him briefly. Uh, yeah, it, it is kind of it's interesting how we played together for ten years. I want to say, and it was like every level up the ropes together, and uh, in the major leagues for five years together. And I think that uh, now we're enemies. I don't think I know. Now we're enemies. So I've got to go out there and square off against him. And I sure I sure hope that uh, that you know we go out there and we have success against him, even though we're friends off the field. On the on the field, we're not. Well, Jared, we appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Lane. <laughs> Checking in on the farm. As we go down on the farm this week, we begin with Colorado Springs, the Sky Sox 77 and 53, and the Sky Sox now know that they are headed to the playoffs as they clinch the American Northern Division of the Pacific Coast League over the weekend. That is the first time in 20 years that the Sky Sox are going to the playoffs the first time since 1997. So congratulations to Rick Sweet, uh, a fine manager for Colorado Springs and his squad. They have performed very, very well all season long, and uh, it's going to make it interesting as the calendar flips into September. As they begin their playoff push, there's going to be some guys on that roster the Brewers may want to pull up to the Major League Club, and that's going to take priority. Uh, there may be some guys the Brewers feel like have – a better shot of impacting that playoff chase and maybe better their development by staying and playing in those games as well. So it's going to make some interesting decisions, obviously, for the front office with Colorado Springs being in the playoffs. But deserved and going to be a fun ride to watch over the course of the next couple of weeks. In AA, the Biloxi Shunkers sitting at 31-30 and 30 in the second half coming into Tuesday's action. And uh, they were postponed on Tuesday, so they are still at 31-30 and 30 in the second half. They are a few games out of uh, getting into that second-half championship conversation, probably going to have to really overcome some things to get themselves into that spot. But, uh, you know, we've talked so much about Corbin Burns this year for Biloxi. He's pitched so well. He has a, a 1-9-1 ERA with 28 strikeouts and five starts in August. And, of course, for the year, a 2-1-8 ERA at the double-A level. He's just been absolutely outstanding, probably going to be the Brewers' minor league pitcher of the year. It'd be hard to imagine anybody else getting that honor beyond Corbin Burns, but if somebody was going to get into the conversation, it might be the next guy I'm going to talk about, and that's Freddie Peralta. He pitched uh, tremendous earlier this week. He is 2-4 and four with a 2.03 ERA, 28 walks, 83 strikeouts for the Shuckers over the course of the last um, month or so since his promotion to double-A. He's been outstanding, and uh, just two hits while striking out 12 in six innings of work in his last start. In August, he went 1-1 one one with a .40 ERA. That's 22 and a third innings pitched and just one earned run allowed with 33 strikeouts. He's been absolutely lights out. Another really exciting young arm in this Brewers system to talk about. As we go to Carolina, high A, the Carolina Mudcats 30-33 and 33 in the second half. And Lucas Ursig has been red hot here recently. The Mudcats third baseman, Carolina League Player of the Week for the last week. He went 11 for 22, eight runs, three doubles, a home run, seven RBIs, and seven walks in that span. Second time this season that Ursig has won that award. He is hitting 284 now with 33 extra base hits since June 1st. He really started to get things going. A lot of lefties in that league. So Ursig, a left-handed hitter, seeing a lot of left-handed pitching and doing pretty well 
against and also for Carolina Monte Harrison batting 304 17 runs seven doubles a triple five home runs 17 driven in six walks and nine steals in 24 games in the month of August he's been red hot here recently and a very exciting prospect that's put himself back on the map this past year for the Brewers Class A Wisconsin 29 and 35 in their second half in the Midwest League Ronnie Gideon has uh, warmed up here recently a walk-off home run the other day and uh, finished two for three with a run a steal a walk and a double on Monday and then third baseman Dallas Carroll who was drafted this past year he has really performed well he had a really big start to his professional career in the Pioneer League and now three home runs since being promoted to the Midwest League just a couple of weeks ago. Thomas Jenkins has pitched well at times for the Timber Rattlers, and he went five innings the other day with three strikeouts for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. In the rookie Pioneer League, the Helena Brewers are in the Northern Division, and in the first half they went 15-23, 8-18 in the second half. Tristan Lutz has been really good for them. Lutz has been a very encouraging prospect for the crew. 34th overall pick uh, was Tristan Lutz this past year out of Arlington, Texas. And he just continues to swing a hot bat. A lot of power from Tristan Lutz so far this year, which has been exciting to see. And he's hitting 321 since getting promoted from the Arizona League now to the Pioneer League. And, of course, you know the Arizona League Brewers, they're heading to the playoffs already. They won their first half in the Arizona League Central Division. They're just 12-12 and 12 in the second half. Some of those big names have been promoted up to Helena or even to Wisconsin. All right, let's uh, check out what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Here's what's coming up at Miller Park on Friday. The Nationals coming to town. It's a five-county Friday. Save 50% on tickets. Miller Light beer pin as well that night. 21 and older can sit, of course, in the beer pin. And then there's going to be that Barrelman Meshback cap to the first 10,000 fans showing up to the game on Friday night against the Nationals. Series continues on Saturday. Coaches versus Cancer Night. Special ticket package includes a Craig Council mini bobblehead that's going to be very cool and sunday kids eat free sunday all the kids 14 and under get a velcro toss and catch game that's just a couple of the big things coming up as this homestand continues we hope that you'll come out for a couple of the games and cheer on the brewers as they continue to chase that nl central crown that's going to do it for us in this week's edition of brewers on tap we'll be back with you next week as the brewers continue their series against the cincinnati reds have a good one, everybody. This has been episode number 97 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Elaine Grindle.